everyone, and welcome. My name is Ari, and this is the Invictus Podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Eric Shields. Uh, he runs Champions Martial Arts in Puyallup, Washington. And Eric has had that location uh, since 2006. He is an entrepreneur. He is a martial artist. Uh, and he has some great insights on uh, basically business and the martial arts in general. And I really wanted to pick his brain. I've known Eric for a long time. And uh, he has some really, uh, like, a good sense of what's going on in the martial arts world. Uh, he has a unique perspective as well because he is a Taekwondo black belt and also Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. And uh, so sometimes, I mean, you come kind of from a traditional uh, martial art and then you have the kind of more modern BJJ. So it's a good cool. meld and I want to kind of pick your brain about that, Eric. So uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be on and, and just kind of rap with you. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so before we start, I kind of mentioned before, you are in your office right now and uh, this, this commenting is, on that. It's awesome. You got yeah, This is the office. This is kind of my little hideaway, essentially. Like everything in here is stuff I grew up around and little collectibles from Funko Pops. To, uh, back here is all my comic books and my Superman comics are here in the back corner and just tons of, uh, just tons of stuff that I'm into, you know? So this is kind of the side they don't typically see. You see me on the mats and so forth. But um, again, a huge comic book fan, huge comic book junkie, huge superhero fan. Um, you name it, tons of tons of fun stuff. <laughs> it's you. It, I find it really weird in some ways because all the martial artists I know, at least a large majority of them, love geek culture and comic books. And you're you're the same. I'm the yeah. same. What is it? I couldn't even tell you. I remember. So I started martial arts. I, I, I got into it based on night the 1980 whatever year it was of karate kid and then it went to all the the superhero stuff and everything was just in that so i guess i mean the 80s and 90s were very big in that particular world you know again if you look on tv back then you had superman cartoons batman spider all yet all the superheroes on tv if you work if you turn on tv now you don't have all these superheroes you have to wait for the big movie productions and that's just not a part of society as much as it was back then. So I think, you know, all of us, our, our childhood was just surrounded by that. And so mm -hmm. um, it's just bled over into life, I think, now. Do you think that kind of that nerd and geek culture, I mean, as kids, we're, uh, we're drawn to the martial arts because we, I'm, I'm going to, this is an oversimplification of it, but you had those geeks and nerds that didn't really do sports, but then there was the martial arts, which was not sports, but it was, it was something right, right. I just, I kind of see that a lot or kids who were uh, kind of introverted, they ended up going to the martial arts rather than doing, right. you know, do, do you find that? No, hundred percent. I think, you know, very rarely, if you were to uh, survey, you know, say a thousand people in, that, are, that have done martial arts, a very small percentage is probably going to be your high school uh, star quarterbacks, your, uh, your, your, your popular kids. The, the big popular kids weren't doing that because they were ha hanging with their friends and doing all the other cool, you know, fun stuff. Um, for, I, I was just a little guy. I, I was small. And so um, I always got picked on when I was little. And I always moved around because my dad was in the military. And so um, not really being able to latch on the new friends because we'd always move. I had to find something to do. And martial arts was kind of the constant thing. Um, and so uh, I think it, it resonates with people because it's very individualism. It's not, it's not a, a team sport. Whereas if you aren't as good as the rest of the team, the team loses. 
you're, you're as good as yourself and you push yourself to what you need to be. And so I think that's what, what makes a lot of us, you know, thrive is because we're not relaying on somebody else um, or relying on someone else's skill set. It's just all about us. And so, um, you know, I think that's why most of us, you know, thrive in it and, and don't depend on uh, the team essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I want to get into talking about the whole COVID crisis and what sure. business owners are doing. But <clears throat> I mean, I, I, like I said at the beginning, I've known you for a long time and you're an entrepreneur. You have several businesses. You have a clothing company. You do, you do web design. I mean, you do a ton of stuff. And uh, that's kind of all helps push you forward, I think, in the martial arts world. But let's start with the whole COVID thing. Obviously, all of our schools are closed. Hopefully, they'll be opening up soon. How are you navigating the COVID crisis and what are you doing to help your students during this time? So when I would say late February, early, early March, it kind of started picking up. It got really bad here in Washington and and the numbers are just skyrocketing. Um, And so I was really concerned and there was a big tournament coming up. I believe it was the second week of March, I want to say it was. And um, we had a lot of students that wanted to compete. We always participate in the tournament. But with the way things were going, um, we had to make some tough decisions and not participate in that. And we had a lot of flack from that because um, people still wanted to participate. And we were, you know, we were still very supportive of everything. Um, but I always try and put our students and our families and our, our instructors and staff first. Their health is always important to me. And so um, we ended up pulling out of that. And then a couple of days later, there was a, an official mandate that we had to close. Um, and immediately everybody was panicking. Everyone's thinking, Hey, you know, what are we going to do? Our schools are closed. We're not going to make any money. This is going to be the worst time of our lives. And this is when people need to innovate. And so I say about a week or two prior, we was already kind of thinking what's going to happen if we have to actually do that. What's life going to look like? And so we were already set up for, online classes and a lot of people are just doing they're doing online classes but they're just making it where it's a workout let's do 50 jumping jacks and 30 push-ups and we can kind of hip escape and do this and this we're still teaching an actual class um, but we've modified how we're doing it so jujitsu is very uh close quarters you have to have a partner and so we've taught everybody how to make their own jujitsu dummies and so you have a jujitsu dummy you can work on passing guards you can work on side control you can work on uh gi chokes you can work on everything that you would in class without an actual live person it's it's the same concept um and i've got a good friend in seattle named brian johnson he taught a really cool seminar with us back in january and taught this thing called a tarzan drill and so i kind of modified it to use it with a chair and so now you're able to work on open guard passes and you can work on toriandos and you can work on different movements and you're creating the exact same atmosphere that you would have in your classrooms. And so um, everyone's loving that. And so we've, we focused on doing the virtual classes and creating an actual class throughout the entire week, Monday through, uh, Monday through Thursday. And then on top of that, we created home training kits. And so if our Monday, Wednesdays, our Taekwondo day for virtual classes, the jujitsu guys weren't having anything. And so we were putting out home training kits. So here's Monday, Wednesday, here's the Taekwondo class. Uh, jujitsu guys, you're going to get, this is your home training skill set. This is your warm ups. This is your cool down. So it's like their own little class at home. And then we flip it. And then I want to say next week, we're going to be launching what's called a home training point challenge. And so um, people do certain different things when they're at home during this particular shutdown. And they're keeping their points. This is predominantly big with kids. Adults aren't really going to uh, rack up points, essentially. Most, most of them will be kids. Um, 
And then at the end of things, they just tally up their points and then we get different prizes and so forth. And so um, that's kind of how we're, we're doing it. We've got an app. We've got tons of cool stuff that is very engaging with all of our members. I think that's the one thing a lot of people don't do is just continuously engage. This is the time to give back even more. I think we're working harder now mm-hmm. than we did when we we're open because we're super engaged now. But when you're open, you're like, okay, cool. I'll make one post on Facebook and I'll post a little meme or a quote and, and everything's great. Now you're constantly posting and commenting and having conversation and everything you should have done beforehand. And so um, this has worked great for us. You know, we've got a lot of new students based on it too. Um, you know, everybody's at home. We know everyone's at home. All the kids have no activities. Um, adults are at home. So rather than trying to push um, in-person classes, we're selling online virtual memberships and it's, it's, it's working great. Uh, and so that's kind of what we've done to, to kind of combat that. A big thing that we did in the beginning too is we never said that we were closed. A lot of places are saying, hey, we're going to close, we're closing the doors, we're closing this. When you say you're closed, that word connects with people and they think, cool, no more payments, I don't have to pay, everything's canceled essentially. We never say we're closed, we're still open, everything is the exact same. The only difference is our physical location is not available currently. Mm-hmm. We're still running classes, we're still teaching classes, we're still giving you everything that you would get if you were in a physical building. So technically we're not closed, just our building is closed. You just can't go to the building. Um, And so that's kind of what we've done and other people kind of follow suit with that and they've seen a higher uh, retention rate rather than saying, hey, we're closed. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, you know, we'll see you when we see you. Mm -hmm. If you said that, everyone's gonna say, cool, let's put our memberships on hold, um, you know, and no one's gonna be getting anything. This is the best time to engage and connect. Call your students just to check on them. Um, make posts where, you know, hey, uh, if anyone's hungry, if they need food, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll be there to help you. Partner with local food banks. Um, if, if you have uh, people that are ready for belts or stripes, do online striping, do online belt tests. And then go to their, go to their house and deliver a belt. Um, you know, take a pool stick or something and literally deliver their belt that way with the six feet rule. Um, deliver their stripes. So you're still creating this incredible uh, experience because that's what martial arts is you're 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 not selling a skill set you're selling an experience yeah if somebody walks into your building and you are are the worst teacher you're not personable everything sucks they're not going to come back but if you create an experience where they're just head over heels for everything that you did of course you're going to get them to come back and they're going to bring their friends they're going to refer and that's what it's all about. And so just now is the time to create that experience that makes people go, oh my goodness, this is, this is where I should have been the entire time or I'm happy that these guys are still doing this. We've had so many messages where people have been saying that, thank you for doing this. Thank you for still offering these particular classes because it gives our kids something to do. There's a sense of normalcy. Um, it keeps the structure going. And so that's kind of how we've hit a home run this whole time. So. Eric, you were talking about, you know, you have to innovate. You're talking about you have an app, you have a great website. Um, you know, language is key. Uh, and, and what you say, being closed and not being closed. And I, I think that kind of hits the point home. And you were talking about relationships with your students. And I think that really is what comes down to. You have to have a relationship with your students. And it's not just making money because then right. your student base is going to see that, obviously. 
Uh, I just recently promoted uh, a guy to Purple Belt um, via Zoom, which I've never yeah. done before. I mean, he was going to have his uh, promotion coming up, and uh, it was a neat moment. I have to be honest, first time I've ever done it, and uh, we'll have a formal thing when we get right. back together. But you're right, it, it can still be done. And something you had mentioned, and I've talked to a lot of martial art owners about this, is you actually now have to work twice as hard as you did uh, in order to come through this whole thing. Right. You know, again, you just have to make sure that people, people don't really care how much you know. That's the biggest thing. We always try and flaunt, hey, I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. Hey, I've done martial arts for 36 years. I've done this, this, this. No one cares if, if, you're, if this is what you're going through and you're still doing the one post a day and not really engaging. People are like, hey, this guy doesn't really care. But if you're constantly engaging, liking their posts, commenting their posts, having conversations, making the phone calls, driving to their house, like when is the last time any school owner has actually driven to someone's house to hand deliver them a belt or a stripe or a t-shirt or a uniform? It, it's, it's not common. It doesn't happen. And so now seeing owners do that, they're like, wow, this guy really cares. He actually, he actually cares about me. And, uh, that's what matters. Mm. And so that's kind of why I think people that are doing that, they're thriving. So what's the world going to look like when we get through this COVID thing? Do you think that uh, memberships will go down? Do you think they'll increase? Do you think people will want to do it? How do you, how do you see the future? You know, I, I see it. It's, it's different. I think if people are innovative and they continue to innovate, you're going to see a lot of new businesses grow from this particular experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about this. If every martial arts school added a virtual training option, let's say you had 10 students a year move, you can retain those 10 students because they can now transition over to your virtual training. Mm -hmm. uh, you can gain new members. You can have 5,000 members in your school now because you have people in Arkansas, Idaho, Canada, France, wherever, because mm -hmm. they're a part of your online training. So you're essentially the Gracie Academy. Uh, you're online but you're doing things very similar. So they were ahead of their time yeah. with the whole, here's, here's the class options, here's the belt. So what I see happening, I think jujitsu is taking the biggest hit. I think jujitsu is going to get hit the hardest because you can't go back to what jujitsu is soon. If, if we're reopening the countries in you know, a matter of weeks or even a month, you're not going to be able to do jujitsu the way that it was. You're going to have to wear a mask. You're going to have to have the social distancing. Everything is going to be the exact same as it is if you're doing online classes. You have to have solo drills. No one's going to do live rolling for at least six months, in my opinion, unless there's a vaccine that comes out. Um, I personally think that Taekwondo, karate, anything that's an individual's art, mm -hmm. that's fine. Because you could get back in a class, have your six, six feet rules, put masks on, everyone can punch and kick the air, and you're good. Jiu-Jitsu, you can't do that. You can have people kind of have their little spots and quadrants in the room and they can kind of hip escape and work the upas and work their positioning. You can't roll. You can't work um, submissions with the partner. You can't work chokes. You can't work escapes because that requires someone to be on you the whole time. And so I think jujitsu is taking the biggest hit. I think you're going to see a, sky, a skyrocket sale surge of jujitsu dummies where people are going to just create their own because now you can actually um, drill with someone. So if you're smart and I have a company that can manufacture jujitsu dummies, I'm doing crazy sales. I'm doing COVID-19 specials. I'll do them for 19% off. I'll do something crazy mm -hmm. because you're going to sell thousands of those things because you can't roll with a partner. So I, pre I 
personally foresee martial arts schools opening, I'd say around June would be a safe time frame that you would start seeing that happen. I think some things will open a little bit earlier, but jujitsu schools, I don't think you'll see live rolling until mid-fall, just because that's, I would assume that's when you'd start having more access to uh, testing, more access to uh, vaccines and things of that nature, but you're not going to get an actual jujitsu class to happen now the way that it was three months ago. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the sad part. I know someone said in South Korea that they're actually having jujitsu classes, but you have to wear masks. You can't roll with anybody. You have to have your own little spot and do your solo drills. And so I've always been the person like, if, if you're going to do that, why, why not just keep doing the online classes? There, there's no purpose and point to put everybody back into a building because if someone's asymptomatic, you don't know what's going to happen. What happens if a parent's watching a class and they cough? Now your entire school is infected. And then from that point, if someone gets infected at your school, then what happens? You're going to get sued if they find out that it happened inside your building and you knew about it. I heard about a school that actually had members um, that were positive with uh, COVID-19 and they were still training and still running classes and still having private open mats and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, that is not smart. But people are so quick now that they want to get back on the mats. I've seen so many people say, hey, there's a gym clause that gyms are going to be able to reopen by May 4th and we need to open up our doors. Right. That's the worst decision possible because it doesn't say martial arts gym. It says martial arts school. Jiu-jitsu gyms are not gyms. They're jiu-jitsu academies. So if you were to put a gym and a school in the same category, it doesn't make sense. If all schools are closed and organized youth activities are closed, why are you reopening martial arts schools? Right. Make sense. And so I personally think within a month or two, you'll see organized like Taekwondo, karate, individual arts, those would be fine to go um, with proper social distancing and masks. Um, and then I would say three to six months, you'll probably start seeing jujitsu kind of get a little bit more uh, lenient on, on things. But I think there's still going to be a lot of uh, unknowns. I say you've got a solid year. Mm -hmm. So things are kind of get quote unquote back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just kind of what I personally foresee happening. Uh, of all the people I've talked to, you have the longest time frame of anyone I've talked to yet. So, I mean, and no one can know, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's all a guessing game. Uh, yeah. but I, your perspective is very interesting. And something also is happening, uh, which is weird. The whole COVID thing, I'll use the movies as an example. I heard that the drive-ins may make a comeback, yep. they're, they're virtually dead. You don't see drive-in yep. theaters anywhere. And now it's like, well, that kind of makes sense. So I'm wondering if you'll see a resurgence of people who are going to traditional martial arts, um, more karate, more taekwondo, more individual kata stuff now, right. because it has some of the distance stuff. Obviously there's sparring, I get it and stuff, but sure, sure. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. You know, I, I've seen that too. I mean, I, I saw a huge post online where I think it was Texas or somewhere where they drive in churches. Like I've never heard of that in my entire life, but they drive up and they have church service outside and you're in your car. Mm -hmm. Genius concept. Again, people that are innovating now are going to be the ones surviving and are going to have new business after this. Um, that's why the whole virtual thing, it's a genius move. No mm -hmm. one's no one was thinking of it before, you know, outside of graces, you had a couple guys, but you, even the guys that have, um, the online training courses, the Galvos, the Mendez brothers. It's not necessarily like a class. You're just seeing, cool, he's showing this technique. I pay X amount of dollars a month and I see a technique. 
now you're teaching a class and I get to be a part of that class, that's, you can't put the price on that. Yeah, and you mentioned the Gracies. I mean, years ago when they had, uh, they were innovators and they did the whole online thing and they got, it was a shitstorm, a firestorm mm -hmm. of comments of like, this is useless, you can't do it. And All right. now, um, who's doing it? <laughs> everyone's doing it. And so who's got the last laugh, right? Right. And I, I, there's obviously been modifications over the years on how people are doing it, but it, it's part of our culture now. We're at the right. 21st century and it has to be part of it. And I think you're touching on that right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, we did for our kids, we did what's called, um, we did tip tests and we did skill assessment. So what happens with um, tech versus jiu-jitsu within Taekwondo Karate, I can say, hey, show me this punch, kick, block, kata, your belt. You can't do that in jiu-jitsu and say, hey, show me hip escape, side control escape, arm bar, and you've got depth to do with the partner and see it during live rolling, and there's so many different things. And so what we did was we skill assessments. And so, hey, let me see you do all of these particular things. So now we know exactly where you are and how much closer you are in that stripe. Um, and how all those things work. And so we did skills, uh, stripes, um, tip tests, and we did belt belt testing for our Taekwondo kids. And yeah. it was a huge hit. Um, we're constantly getting people doing posting videos. We did a really cool toilet paper challenge just to kind of get everybody engaged. And so you got kids and, and adults doing forward rolls, holding a roll of toilet paper, uh, doing your combat base to stand up holding toilet paper and just make it more challenging where you hold it on your hand or you put on the your hand and make a fist and you have to balance that because if you think about a combat base most everybody kind of screws it up when they stand up their head falls and their balance is off and if you have toilet paper and so you've just added all these different elements just to get fun and engaging and now you have different challenges and and parents are loving it kids are loving it adults are just having fun um they're posting training videos just wherever is now they're still doing what they enjoy and it's very similar to the last the jujitsu dummy now you're just not getting someone choking you back essentially. right so um because we had a other day i said hey i'm not into the whole you know on thing i want to have a real life partner i'm like hey if you just make a jiu-jitsu dummy it's the exact same concept as you would have if you were in class, you're learning how to do a cross collar choke from mount, they're laying there. Is it well, there's no resistance. And that's no resistance in class. If you're drilling that with if you're in mount and they're on their back, you're just working your they're not gonna try and fight you right then. And so you're getting the again learning how to do it. And so I kind of clicked with him and now he's a huge, huge fan of uh online training. So awesome. Now I want to chat to you about Taekwondo and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, uh, you know, I, they're, I'm going to say, complete opposites in many ways. Yep. And you have a background in both. So the first thing is, you, you were a Taekwondo um, practitioner and, and teacher before you got into BJJ. What was it like to transfer from Taekwondo to BJJ? What were your first experiences like, and what was the conversation that was going on in your mind sure sure so i i started tech in 1986 86 um a super long time ago then um there was no pad there was no it was just a straight like it was a fight um so when you would spar and you'd have tournaments and fights it was legitimately a fight you weren't punching to the face but i would say it's the closest thing to pancreation 
uh, as you can get um, outside of that because you were kicking and punching and it, it was crazy. And so I've done that for 34 years now, 30 through 34 years now. And um, in 1998, somewhere in that time frame, um, we started UFC tapes. You know, and we're like, man, this is here's because I I want to say a guy versus a really big small guy. We're like, yeah, he's gonna kick him a blah blah. He beat the hell out of the guy, and then he had a fight. Uh, I want that guy fought uh, Hoist. I'm like, this guy's just laying on him. What's going on? Why is why is uh why is he there? And he dominates this Takonoka. And I'm like, man, this is this is cool. Watch Tank Abbott take guys down and take their ankles home. And I'm like, this is cool how can we learn this and so um we would literally teach class have our taekwondo classes and afterwards you would just kind of grapple nogi and then start to just do that um and my first official brazilian jiu-jitsu class was in 2005 mm -hmm. um a buddy of mine who has a school down the street he introduced me to a, a a local black belt that was kind of he's kind of the the guy in washington and uh, this is this is really really cool i need to learn this and so i was really just really getting even deeper so prior to that it was always just you know kind of nogi wrestler buddies and just do what you saw on ufc tape from there um when i first took that first jiu-jitsu class and this is this is this is epic i need this because taekwondo it was fun but jiu-jitsu i wasn't punching i wasn't getting kicked i wasn't clashing you know legs. i wasn't hitting elbows i've had so many fights where i've literally shattered my end up or uh i've popped from kicks or i've just i've hurt and broken so from my knees down i am shattered yeah uh, torn acls everything's broken um and so i saw that and now i said man i, I gotta learn this and so we opened up our school in 2006 and i'm like we need to have a jiu-jitsu we need jujitsu here at the school. Uh, we talked to talked to uh, James Foster, super super awesome black belt, and wanted to kind of work things out there. But um, again, I was young and didn't really understand business and didn't know what we were supposed to do. So um, we didn't really make that happen, unfortunately. But at, at about a year or so later, um, kind of a jujitsu coach fell into our lap. It was a, a father and son team from Brazil. Um, and they just kind of fell in there magically, and we've been we were training with them for many many years. Um, got my blue belt and purple both from them, um, and I just learned that jujitsu is it's easier, but it's harder. And so I wasn't trying to memorize forms. I wasn't having to have weapons. I wasn't having to try and do these ex ex crazy flipping, spinning, twisting kicks because you're never going to do that in a fight. You know, I've had plenty of fights in my day and I've always tried to finish them with one kick if I can hit you one time in the throat or the, or the ribs good fight's done but if that fight goes to the ground I, I would have been in trouble now I'm like please let's go to the ground I don't want to stay standing with you I'd rather just fall down and, and play there um, and so I personally love it I think it's it's the best blend because every fight will start standing so you have to have some sort of standing uh, skill set um and then if they catch your leg which most fights will if you if you're a kicker they know that and they're going to try and catch your leg and take you to the ground you fall right into my guard so best case for me worst case for you and so if i can hit you and you eat that kick and i fall to my guard game over and so i always try and tell parents when they sign up now 
especially for kids, bowling is going to start standing, but most likely it's going to go to the ground. So take both classes because then you're getting the best of both worlds and it's kind of your yin and your yang. Um, and so it's, it's been, it's been nothing but amazing, um, short of a lot of injuries, but still, you know, still amazing. Not, I wouldn't say there, it's not even as bad as the Taekwondo injuries. I've had, um, tons of ankle pops and, and, and stuff that way and high, dislocated elbows and stuff, but nothing nearly as bad as the fights I had in Taekwondo, um, getting broken rib cages and, and getting completely knocked out and broken noses and jaws and, you don't, that doesn't happen in jujitsu. You know, you might get choked out. Uh, you might hyperextend the elbow or, or tear something. But just the, the overall day-to-day, it's so much better. So how do you sell Taekwondo when you just went on to say, you know, I'm, I'm destroyed from all this high-impact stuff? How do you sell it? And, and- you know, it, it's different. Taekwondo is different now than it was when I came up. So when I came up in Taekwondo, um, you didn't have – there was no padding. You didn't have any of the protective gear. Um, I grew up in Korea, and so that was where Taekwondo is from. The a level of abuse that you would take in Korea compared to here, you couldn't get away with it. Um, if you were late to class, you got hit with a stick. Um, if you sat wrong, you got hit. You, so you were never late. You were literally a robot. We would kick trees just to make our feet harder. Um, we would run in the snow. I mean, everything that you couldn't do, you can never take a kid outside and say, cool, kick that tree and break the tree. Your foot's going to break. I don't care. Break the tree. I've had hundreds of those situations. I was, I think I was seven or eight and, um, I had a fight and, and my finger broke. So my finger went this way. So it made it like a seven. My coach went, finish your fight. You couldn't do that now. And I've got a bone protruding out of my hand. He just kind of re- reset and said, you have to go finish. And I'm sitting there crying, blood pouring out of my hand, and you have to finish. You couldn't do that now. So the level of I, I, the level of intensity is different now than it was uh, then. Um, but you can the way we sell it is you know it, it's not the the fighting aspect isn't for everybody. Um, you know you have there's different schools of thought, just like jujitsu. You have your traditional jujitsu. You have your sport jujitsu. Um, so if you were to take Keenan Cornelius Jiu-Jitsu versus Hoist Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. They're both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. One's going to focus more on a self-defense aspect. One's going to focus more on uh, sport, barambolos, and different things. They're both great, but they will each cater to a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, the more athletic person would love to do all the competitive stuff. Well, the more sh- uh, shy and timid kid would might like the, the self-defense aspect. And so that's kind of how we package Taekwondo is just that, hey, we're, I'm not – running it the way that I did it I've enhanced it so I've always been the person that is, that's went against the grain I don't do things normally um, I always challenge the status quo so when all the techno guys are saying you have to only do techno I was like screw you guys I'm gonna throw punches elbows we're gonna use knees we're gonna learn how to kick close the distance grapple take them down and techno guys that well you can't do that I'm like I don't care are you going to take my black belt away from me? You're not going to do that. So it doesn't matter. I want to give my, my students the best experience possible. And so um, that's kind of how we sell it is just, you know, we sell the self-defense aspect. We really focus on the life skill portion of it. How does it build your kid's confidence? How does it help them have more uh, self-respect and just kind of build that. If they want to fight and compete, cool, we'll do it. If you don't want to do it, Hey, we're not going to force you. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it's worked out. And we've got a ton of kids that do both programs. Um, 
And we can easily say, hey, if you're not liking jujitsu, just go check out Taekwondo or vice versa. And it worked great. Tell me one of the biggest misconceptions that you think BJJ players have about Taekwondo. I'd probably say they would think it's a belt factory um, because, again, like I said earlier, if, if, if let's say you're my student, I can say, cool, all right, show me your, let me see, these three blocks, these two kicks, show me your form, cool, you get your next belt. Mm-hmm. That's how most traditional Taekwondo and karate schools work. Um, whereas jujitsu, that, that doesn't exist. You can't really say you show me an arm bar and this and this. You have to actually perform it and do it in a live aspect. And so I would say um, they would look at it as, as soft. Um, they would look at it as um, a belt factory for those two reasons. But then I always say, hey, if you're thinking of that, every jujitsu player always says Joe Rogan is a badass. Joe Rogan is this. Joe Rogan is that. He's a Taekwondo guy. We kind of came up, I think he was a year or two ahead of me. Uh, he was uh, an age bracket or two ahead of me in uh, the fight scene uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, when he was competing. Um, and so I was at same, the similar tournaments that he was at. And, and seeing um, what he could do techno-wise, now he's teaching GSP how to throw a back kick. You know, if you have all these big prominent name fighters utilizing Joe Rogan's techno skills, it's not a bad art. I think it's great for, for both. Um, so if he gets a pass with, with jujitsu community, I think Taekwondo guys should get a pass too. Interesting how that happens when someone famous ends up endorsing something and then the rest of the community ends up following that where before it was like, it was taboo and it could never happen. And uh, it's always been there. And I think that's what you're pointing out, which is hilarious to me. Um, so again, you're a Taekwondo guy, you're, you're a BJJ guy, um, you also do other things, and uh, this is kind of how our relationship started uh, way back when. So yeah. I want you to actually just tell me about the other entrepreneurial stuff that you do. Um, sure, sure. You know, back, so back in 2008, um, I first ran into your gi, your submissions 101 gi. I mean, that, that's, that's really cool. And there wasn't a whole lot of gis on the market. There was just, you know, you had a couple – that were the staples, that were the old school ones that just kind of stood the test of time. And uh, there was a couple up and comers um, that were out there. You know, I was working uh, and talking with Pete from Origin way back in the day when he had 80 followers on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we still laugh about this today. And uh, I was like, you know, you know, we could do this and this and this. And I always pitch ideas to all these different geek companies. And everybody always gave me this year. That sounds good. We'll get to it later. And I was like, the industry needs this. Let's, let's do something. Let's stop sitting on it. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to start my own. And I've always been that way. Um, back, at, back in school, someone had more skills than me and they were doing it for me. I would say, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to do it better. Um, everything. And so 2007, 2008, I started uh, our geek company, Synergy. Um, and we launched, I would say, I think you were the first ones to do it with the Submissions 101 gi. Um, we did a gray gi for the entire industry, essentially. Um, and that gi sold out in like 45 minutes. Couldn't keep it in stock. And then we had to do a, re, a re-up on it. And that sold out in an hour and a half. And so I was like, man, people, people want this. And I always wanted to go against the grain because the traditional gi was white, blue, uh, black. Those are your traditional. I'm like, Let, let's do a gray gi. Gray sounds really cool. Uh, and then the first two is a gray and purple and a white and purple. Those are our uh, husky colors from, from uh, Seattle. 
And then uh, we kind of did that. And then everybody and their mom did a Grey Goo. Yeah. I think after that was uh, 93 brand did uh, some, uh, a goose one and everybody did this great you know I'm like well this sucks what's what's the next innovation that we can do so we then went to um, a ripstop because there was a company called Kawaii Kimonos and they were the only ones doing ripstop and I was like hey I'd love to work with you guys I do this and you guys do that maybe we can kind of partner and team up and I always got I always got pushbacks and notes and I was like well fine if you guys do it I can do it too I mean, this is nothing, nothing bad about anybody, no beef. It was just, I was like, cool, if you're not going to let me in, I'll, I'll do it myself. And so I launched uh, a ripstop key. And it was literally less than an ounce. It was the lightest ripstop key on the market at the time. Again, we did a gray one. We did a gray one, a black one, and a white one. Same thing. We And that one launched on BJJ headquarters. That sold out in minutes. We just couldn't keep it in stock. And then that one was just going so well. And then we kept innovating and adding different things. And then uh, everyone else started making ripstop keys. And I was like, well, hell, stop copying me. And then uh, we made a, a gold weave. And this one was like a bathrobe. It was the most comfortable gear ever. Um, we did that. Same thing, gray. We did the all colors. And people started making gold weaves. I'm like, dude, stop copying what I'm making. Uh, and there's a big name company that I can't mention but they literally took my entire design and copied it to a T because mm -hmm. we had the same manufacturer and it was identical. They just changed my logo to theirs. And I'm like, well, you can do that because you've got, you can sell a hundred thousand keys in a weekend. You can do that. That's not hard. Um, and so I was just getting frustrated. And then at that particular point, our manufacturers started making their own keys. And that's when you got burned by them with the submissions 101 gear. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make any keys anymore. I'm going to just take some time off and just stop. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, hey, let's kind of get back into it. Let's kind of see what the market looks like. And so um, we did a very, very soft launch of a gi uh, internally. It was an OD green gi, but we did stuff that nobody was doing. Took stuff from the shoe industry, from different types of logos and different materials and just different stuff that way. And it just hit a home run. And I still have a gi in the, in the works with um, another gi company. We're going to do like this, this partnership launch of one particular gi and the material of it. No one's ever seen it. It's literally something that you would see in the shoe industry. And if it happens, it's going to be great. But we just kind of took a step back as everybody was copying. We launched um, the first Seahawks gi back in 2012 when they won the actual Super Bowl. And then a couple years later, Control goes out and drops their 12 and I'm like, you made that first. Um, you know, we launched, uh, I think it was 2013 or 14, we launched the first pearl weave belt ever on the market. And yeah. then everybody and their mom started making pearl weave belts and saying they were the first. And I was like, no, we did it first. And so um, it's always hard to uh, see other people take, take credit for your work. And so um, we just kind of took a step back and didn't really do much. We did a Rainier Arms gi. Um, I'm, I'm a huge gun fanatic and uh, we, we teamed up with them and did a really cool gi. We were going to do the uh, your gi for a little bit. Um, we had some other ones in the pipeline, but um, this all happened and just the gi side of things just kind of took a, a step back just because in my opinion, the industry is super oversaturated. There's a yeah. thousand different gi companies. And so anybody and their mom can just make their own gis now. And so it's like, 
to be innovative is you can do it, but everyone's going to copy you. So it's pretty much first to market who has the biggest budget for marketing. And so um, it didn't really make sense to do that. And so um, you have the gig company or had the gig company. Um, I also run a graphic a web design uh, agency. Uh, and so we do websites for martial arts schools, for just businesses in general. Um, we do videography with ads and you name it, we do all of that. Um, and so those are kind of my, my big things, the martial arts, my graphics and web design. And then again, I had the, uh, the clothing thing too. And so those are kind of my three big things that uh, I've done and, you know, still kind of doing. What's your web design company? How, how can people look that one up? Uh, it's called SireMedia.com. It's pretty much my first name spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how can I be innovative? And I was like, well, what's, what's my name spelled backwards? Cool, I'll just do that. And so uh, Sire, C-I-R-E, Media.com. Um, and so I've done that. And, and I work with a lot of martial arts school owners and try and show them, hey, if your website is essentially a second employee where you can be sleeping at one o'clock in the morning you should be able to get new students and members consistently signing up and get you paid whereas most of these school owners are like hey i have to pay the software comment i have to get the grade to get the website and then the website looks like trash and it's not working for me so i have to find someone else too complicated so we use a company called spark um, you know, I saw, recently saw your product, I think it was MindBody that kind of screwed you guys over. No, it was um, Zen Planner. Zen Planner, Zen Planner. Yeah. And uh, uh, we used for, since it was created, uh, the owner that has always been creating incredible work. Uh, and in my opinion, Spark is essentially the, um, uh, can't think, there's, there's a really big, um, a big, software tool in just the red business world i just can't help my head but spark is everything that you could ever imagine times a hundred it's uh it, it's incredible from web page creation to uh, member management to apps to you name it it's, it's the works and so i worked with them for years and i still work with them um i swear by them i say if anyone has a martial arts school you should you should leave whatever you have going with any other company and sign up with them because it will change your entire world uh, and, and revolutionize your school. And, and it's funny you say that. So, I mean, a lot of people watching this don't own schools and things like that. But for the ones that do, we are, we are slaves to software because that's how we run them. And there are a ton of different software companies. I've done, I've done a few over the years. And they've never been awesome. They, it's almost like they have no idea how the martial art industry works. And they kind of, their back end sucks and, and their yep. front end sucks too. Yep. And it's not intuitive. And so you told me about Spark. I'm going to look into that. But, um, you know, we spent a lot of money on the software stuff. Right. The cool thing with Spark, it's built by a martial artist for martial artists. So right. some tech guy that's like, hey, I can code and I can develop something and let me make a, you know, a million dollars off of these martial arts. I don't know anything. They can just kick and, <laughs> and they fight for a living. Let me just spend money. This is people just like you and I that have run martial arts schools that have you know, five to students and make, you know, insane money that have taken time to let's build an incredible software. And that's what this for is this it's literally the infusion soft martial arts. It's everything you can imagine times a hundred. Cause again, can't catch up to what this is doing. And it's, I can't say things about them. Cool. So. 
And you started off the podcast with, uh, you mentioned a word, you said innovate, and you kind of ended off with innovate. And that's something that you've been doing for a long time. And innovation also gets you in shit because people uh, take your ideas, people don't give you credit, people think that you're going against the grain, that you're not traditional, that you're not progressive enough. Like, you can never please everyone. And... uh, and I think that's kind of why you and I end up becoming friends because we were both suffering, quote unquote, uh, the innovation bug and things we were doing. And you know, I when I made my first rash guard in 2006, there were no rash guards on the market, and I literally had to go to a manufacturer who screwed me over back then too. Uh, and they were surf rash guards; they didn't have the the rash guards that we know today sublimation didn't exist you know so my very first rash guard was just that that heat press stuff and i I always tell the story because i think it's hilarious and my students are rolling and then uh class stops and i look on the mat i'm like what's all this little white pits everywhere and i realized all the rash guards had basically burned off because they're on the guard on their back and i'm like oh my god so it's funny how far we've come right Uh, it's crazy you know the biggest thing when you innovate you just have to do your heart says you know i I, you know i'm a person that i always reach out to students i always want to check on people i always want to make sure you know there's that connection whether it's what business it may be i've had people tell me hey you should do that because people feel off you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and i don't care i don't care what everybody else does i want to do i know is best because if if it's good for me if it works for me then i'm giving you a hundred percent if i'm gonna follow the trend is I'm not, you know, a hundred percent in on that. So that's where you and I are the same, you know, um, look at submissions one-on-one, nobody's really doing that, you know, and then you created an entire a way of life. I mean, hundreds of thousands of black belts that most likely at some point have watched and studied submissions. One video is probably even retaught the classes. I mean, it's been a staple of history and there's, been positive and there's been negatives about it people would always try and give you slack and say this and that but that's your passion that's your heart and you have to follow what's what you do um that's how you're going to move forward you can't you can't follow trends and do that that's why being innovative is is it's like the martial arts where it's just a few you have to innovate and it's a team sport it's an individual thing and so mm-hmm. i think we connect So I want to end off our our little talk today uh, with two things. And the first one is um, I actually want to talk about police officers and the importance of jujitsu and your perspective on that, uh, obviously being a martial artist for over three decades. So give me your, give me your spiel on why you think it should be done. Why not? Or, or the benefit. 100%. I think think jujitsu is um, absolutely essential for, for law enforcement. I think law enforcement and military, um, anyone in that kind of space, it, it should be a requirement. It shouldn't just be something that is a suggestion, that be a requirement in training. Um, you know, if you look at any altercation for enforcement to uh, someone they're trying to detain, it goes from distance and distance gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You have to put cuffs on them. And the minute you grab someone's hand and cuff not just going to give you their hands nicely it it turns into a fight and most of the time it it might not always be a fist fight it it most likely will because you can subdue them control them and it's imperative that you know that whether you're small you know um 
I partner that we used to always do law enforcement seminars at our school for years. We did, I think about seven or eight of them. Um, and there's a blast to do because you get to engage and connect with law enforcement and you can see where some of them have really good strengths, but then some of them aren't very skilled. I would be afraid if um, I didn't have that skill set, try to detain someone that was attacking my family, you know? And so I think it's important that everybody know how to do it. Even just, just the basics, just to get someone on the ground, just to control from the top um, and have, have an actual, almost military. The military has army combatives. If you created that entire system for law enforcement that was specifically jujitsu-centered and focused, I think you'd, you'd see a lot, a lot better results. You wouldn't see these YouTube videos of people um, getting owned essentially by criminals and just throwing these cops around. You know, I think, I think it's important that it should be a, a staple in training and just be an academy thing. And it should be something that's, that's consistent. You should have weekly classes at the um, headquarters and it, it should be something that's consistent across the board. Yeah, and uh, it's too bad because uh, we were going to actually, Invictus was going to be down in Washington yep. State uh, uh, just a few days ago, and yeah. um, we had to postpone it. So we're going to do it again, and hopefully we'll be in your neck of the woods, and I actually look forward to, to seeing you when I come down For there. Sure. For sure. Um, how can people get a hold of you uh, and stuff? Um, Facebook's great. Uh, the website, sirenmedia.com, that's another big one. Um, Facebook, uh, you can just search for me, Eric Shields. I'm on there. Uh, I post on page all the time. Uh, our school is Champions Martial Arts Center. That's, uh, you know, we're, we're out anywhere that you look, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Um, we're all over the place, so it's not hard to, to find us. Cool. Anything you want to leave our viewers off with? You know, hey, just uh, for the opportunity. It's, it, it's, it's great to see uh, a friendship as long as ours has. You know, it's been um, it's been time, it's been over a decade, I'd say. And, um, you know, I, I definitely want to tell you that I, I hope that we could, back in the day when we did the Northwest Jiu-Jitsu Summit in, uh, up there with you, yeah. I'd love to do, another, do a part two of it, uh, maybe bring it down uh, this way or even do another one up there. Um, I think when it kind of cools off and gets better, we can uh, talk about that because that would be a super fun experience. Just just that weekend alone was uh, one I'll never forget and would love to do more of making my annual thing, you know? Yeah, that was super fun. So, so, Eric, I really appreciate it. Thanks for sitting down with me today on the Invictus Podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. You too.